Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, Dr. Ross Green here, coming to you live, as always, every Monday, from the offices of Lives in the Balance here in Portland, Maine, another edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. How are you today? Hope you had a good weekend, and I'm looking forward to talking with you here today about solving problems collaboratively and... um, all the other stuff that goes along with viewing kids' challenging behavior through the lenses, the prism of lagging skills and unsolved problems. And um, we've got a bunch of email to catch on up on today, um, but we do already have a caller, and we always give callers priority on the program. So if you do want to call in, uh, that number is 347-994-2981. And um, let's go to area code 614. You're on the air. How are you today? Hey, Dr. Green. How are you doing? I actually called last week, so I'm calling you back. I thought it was you again. Good. I'm glad you called back. Give us an update. <laughs> well, the uh, we did have, I think my wife listened to the call after we were done, and we both kind of agreed that we weren't really doing things the way we needed to in terms of like trying to, you know, really do plan B the way we need to. So we, we had a couple of opportunities, or at least I, I know that of a couple of opportunities where we were able to really try it. And I feel like once we actually got into it, it worked out pretty well. I mean, it, it, it might have even worked out better than it was supposed to because I think that, and this is maybe part of the, the plan in itself, is once we got him to kind of communicate to us what our needs were, he just did whatever we needed him to do. Like, there wasn't even really a problem solving. It was just like an acceptance of what we wanted. And once he kind of, ver- once, we, once we would actually get him to verbalize that, then the problem would kind of solve itself. Do you know what I mean? Well, now here's the deal. I'm glad you felt that it went better. Mm-hmm. However, having him simply agree agree once he heard your concern as to do what you wanted may not would probably not meet my definition of having it not that that's not that that's unheard of just that if there's something getting in the way of your son meeting an expectation you simply letting him know why he should or that he should is unlikely to address what's getting in his way but tell us can you give us a specific example well, the you know one one of the one of the hot spots for us is around mealtime, and so you know we have a rule in our house, and this has been a pretty consistent rule for us for a long time, is that you know you have to eat at least one bite from everything that's put in front of you for dinner. And so we were having some particular difficulty earlier this week because he wasn't wanting to eat one thing. I can't I can't remember exactly what it was, but you know he was not wanting to eat one of the bites and he wanted to be excused from his meal and we weren't allowing that to happen. Well, really what we were saying was, is, you know, the rest of the night's not going to go on if you don't keep, if you don't follow the, the rule of having at least one bite of everything on your plate. And, you know, once we just kind of said, okay, we understand you want to, 
you want to leave dinner and go play with your toys, and we would like you to have a bite of your eat of, of, of everything on your plate, so how can we resolve this? You know, we were trying to get to that point, and as soon as he kind of said, you want me to eat a bite of everything, then he just did it. You know, and, and, that's, and one, of the, one of the issues, and I think maybe this is just a disconnect in my understanding of the, the plan that you – because even when I was reading the book the first time I had this issue is, what happens when your desire is directly in contrast to what they want? Like they want to stop doing something, you want them to do it. That seems to me like kind of a breakdown of, of the system, and maybe that's kind of where this whole thing leads to. But. Well, not exactly. The breakdown occurs when instead of getting concerns on the table, you get solutions on the table instead. Then you have a power struggle, and now we're going okay. to find out who's more powerful, and that's the way a lot of parents parent. But okay. parenting that way is actually, most of the time, completely unnecessary, but it is a byproduct of the fact that we're really not getting concerns on the table in the first place. We're getting solutions on the table. So let me, let me give you an example um, of getting solutions on the table. Ready? Mm-hmm. I don't want to eat a bite of everything. Well, if you don't eat a bite of everything, then your evening is not going to go on until you do. That's a power struggle. We don't have any concerns on the table. I don't want to okay. eat, I don't want to take a bite of everything is actually your son's solution. Uh, if you don't take a bite of everything, your evening is not going to go very well is your solution also kind of right. an adult-imposed consequence. So let me give you a sense about how it might have started had you truly been doing Plan B. Ready? Because okay. the ultimate goal is actually not to get your kid to agree to do what you want him to do. The ultimate goal is to come up with a mutually satisfactory solution after we understand right. the concerns of both parties. So right. here's, here's how Plan B would start in the situation you seem to be describing. First of all, the unsolved problem is that he's having difficulty taking a bite of everything on the plate, taking at least one bite. Thus, the introduction to the empathy step would sound like this. I've noticed you're having difficulty taking a bite of everything on your plate during dinner. What's up? And then we would be hearing hopefully with some skillful drilling, what his concern or perspective is on that issue. So I know okay. that you said that it's I know that you said it that it's a rule. I feel like we're in much better shape if we call them expectations. It is your expectation. Because <laughs> okay. a rule basically sort of connotes that um this isn't this isn't that this is not negotiable. Um we're not really interested in your concern or perspective because it's going to you're going to end up following our rule anyways. And that's really okay. not what plan B is supposed to be about. Right. So we would want to hear what he has to say. And let's say he said I hate Brussels sprouts. You guys serve them a lot, so I've had them a lot. I don't need to taste them to know I hate them. I hate them. Because we've had them a lot, and I don't want to have Brussels sprouts. Mom and Dad, I can understand you all wanting me to taste things I haven't had, but I really don't understand why you're making me taste things that I have had and already know I don't like. All right. 
there's his concern or perspective, right? Okay. So then in the define the problem step, you'd be putting your concern or perspective onto the table on the exact same unsolved problem, and there you'd be on the hook for explaining your perspective on why you feel, if you still do feel, that it's important for him to at least taste everything on the plate. And then once we had your concern on the table, and let's, let's give this a whirl, what is your perspective on why he should at least take one bite of everything on the plate? Well, I'm 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 uh, channeling my wife because she's the more of the 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 food advocate than I am. But uh, you know, from what she understands is that the more you the more you eat foods, the more you're going to like that food. And so even if you eat Brussels, even if you don't like Brussels sprouts the first 15 times you eat them, eventually you'll start to like Brussels sprouts, and that will encourage more healthy eating uh, habits for our son. So that's right. the main reason so, why we do that rule. You want to have healthy eating habits. In the long run, yes. All right. Thus far, the way you have been encouraging healthy eating habits is by making him eat things, even things he hates. Right. And and I I see where you're going, and this is something that we've been trying to avoid as as long as we've been doing this. It's not a fight over these particular things. It's just this is what we do. So. I mean, again, we, we well, try this not is what to we have do. To be a battle, but... Well, it's a, it's a battle if he balks. Right. It's not an unmet expectation if he doesn't balk. It is an unmet expectation if he does balk, right? So right. the interesting thing is we're still going to hold that up as an expectation, right? The expectation, and there's a, so there's a rationale behind it, too. The expectation is that you will take at least one bite of everything on your plate, the rationale behind it is we want you to develop healthy eating habits, and we firmly believe that if you eat enough of something you can't stand, you will come to like it. Yes? Right. All right. If your son were meeting that expectation, he was taking a bite of everything on the plate, you wouldn't need a plan because your expectation would be being met. Right. You need a plan if your expectation is not being met, and it sounds like your expectation is not being met. That's why you guys are talking about it. Correct. Once your expectation is not being met, so you haven't done done plan A yet. You've just let your son know what the expectation is. We want you to develop healthy eating habits, and we think the more you eat it, the more you'll like it. That's, That's your take. If he buys it, you have no unsolved problem, you need no plan. If he doesn't buy it, and it sounds like he ain't buying, uh, you need a plan. Plan C, right. plan C is where you're setting it aside and saying, okay, you don't have to eat it. Plan A is where you are imposing your will and saying, right. not only do you have to eat it, if you don't eat it, the rest of the evening will not go as you had hoped. Plan A, okay. that's an adult-imposed consequence. Okay. Plan B, plan B is where you are trying to get his concern on the table, get your concern on the table, and then um, come up with a mutually satisfactory solution. So let's, let's, now, let's say I'm right about his concern, right? And you've already put yours on the table. 
here's what the invitation would sound like if we were truly doing plan B. And once again, truly doing plan B means you're doing three steps. Empathy step, his concern. Define the problem step, your concern. Invitation, coming up with a solution that addresses both sets of concerns, not just yours. If the only party whose concerns are getting addressed is yours, you're doing plan A. So let's hear what the invitation would have sounded like. Here's what the invitation would have sounded like. I wonder if there's a way. That's what invitations usually start with. I wonder if there's a way. And I wonder if there's a way is usually a pretty good signal that we are not about to tell the kid what to do. That sounds like this. I've decided that, as in, I've decided that if you don't eat every, at least take one bite out of your, everything on your plate for dinner, you're not going to have the evening go as well as you might have hoped. That's, I've right. decided that. That's plan A. Plan B, I wonder if there's a way for us to make sure that you develop some good eating habits and um, mm, let me me take a little bit of a flyer here on your concern and try foods you may not have, you may not think are going to taste good, but still have you not constantly having to eat foods that you already know you don't like. Now, all I've done there is try to combine the concerns of both parties. And then what we're going to mm-hmm. say to your son is, got any ideas? Because we're always going to give the kid the first crack at the solution, not because it's his job to solve the problem. It's y'all's job to solve the problem. Just want to make sure he knows that we're actually interested in his ideas. And so now what we're trying to do is come up with a solution so that he is not perpetually having to take at least one bite out of foods he detests and already knows he detests. But you all are still feeling confident that healthy eating habits are being developed and that he's trying new foods that he already doesn't think he hates. And I'm betting that when it's framed that way, you all would actually be able to come up with a solution that works for you and your wife and your son. What that's going to okay. require, however, is that you move off of your original solution because your original solution <laughs> is plan A. So here's the deal. So, so, just, um, so just, having the, just having the rule in place that, or the expectation in place that he eats everything on his plate, having that expectation in place from the beginning is you're saying just, it's impossible to plan B from that because you're starting from a plan A perspective. No, I think that that's, an in, that that's a point of confusion for a lot of people. Having an expectation in place is no plan. Okay. If an expectation is met, you don't need a plan. It's being met. You don't have an unsolved problem. If an expectation is not being met, you need a plan to solve it. And that's where A, B, and C come in. With C, you're saying, you know what? This is not a high priority for us right now. We're just going to set it aside. We're not even going to worry about that expectation. He eats what he eats. That's plan C. Plan A, uh, if you do not eat, we've decided that if you do not eat everything that's on your plate, you are not going to have the evening go as well as planned. Now, that's you saying, not only is that expectation firm, you're definitely doing it. Plan B, you're finding out what his concern or perspective is, and I bet he's got a good one. 
We're getting your concern or perspective on the table. You got a good one, too. I think wanting him to try new foods and wanting him to develop healthy eating habits is admirable. So no, no issues with your concerns, no issues with your expectation. Whether the best way to get that expectation met, whether the best way to get that problem solved is plan A, there we might part ways. I think you could solve that problem using plan B. Okay. Right now, what you described, I would not call plan B. I would call it. Yeah, it felt like it felt like it was like so fast. Once he kind of just like, you know, and I, again, I don't, I don't feel like I, I think I probably mischaracterized the conversation to some extent, but the I feel like once he kind of once once we got him to tell us what our concern was, we kept telling him we 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 felt like we understood what his concern was. Once he told us what our concern was, I think he just realized that okay, that's fine. Like I'm really just being obstinate, and that's part of the issue we're having with him. Is I feel like there's just an obstinance around a lot of things that are happening with him just throughout his day that, you know, our dealing with that obstinance is what will trigger explosion sometimes. And we're trying to like deal with this, you know, with, as, as they come. And that one, that one actually we're probably more armed to deal with because we deal with that one pretty, you know, pretty frequently, but other times it's just like surprising and then boom, here we go. So, well, and here's the interesting thing. Uh, a child's, Obstinance is uh, a chicken and egg issue. Um, what I'm hearing, I'm reading through, the, I'm reading the tea leaves here. Mm-hmm. I think, I think his obstinate moments are when you do Plan A on an unsolved problem. Um, obstinate is actually not a word I would use to describe behaviorally challenging kids. That brings with it assumptions okay. about why he's doing what he's doing that isn't going to provide us with any information whatsoever about these specific things he's balking at doing. Obstinance for obstinance's sake, I don't believe in. I think that kids become obstinate when they are having difficulty meeting an expectation, in this case, at least taking one bite out of every food on the plate, I don't think he's just being obstinate, and I would be surprised. I've never had this happen, so your son would be the first, that he actually agreed that he was just being obstinate. But I'm curious, what was his concern? Well, well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I feel like one of, the, one of the issues that we have around mealtime is, you know, he's playing, in, you, know, on his, you know, he's playing with his toys in his playroom. He has to exit that environment to come eat, and that's an issue we have you know, somewhat occasionally on the, in the house. We get him to the table to eat, and then he wants to go back to playing with his toys. He just doesn't care anything about eating. Like, there will be times where he literally sits down, at, sits down at a meal, eats a bite of everything, and then goes back to the playroom to play. And so I feel like we're pulling him away from his activity that he wants to do, which is playing with his toys, and we're having him eat, which he just doesn't put a lot of import into that a lot of times. Well, and well, so here's an interesting we, thing. That's a separate unsolved problem. That's a okay. separate unsolved problem. <laughs> and I'm hoping this, is in, this gets more interesting the more we hear about it. Are you wanting him to eat at least one bite of everything on the plate because you want to make sure he's at least getting a little food into him because you have such a hard time keeping it at him at the table because he wants to go back and play? Um, 
or is it because you want them to try new foods, develop good eating, eating habits, etc.? If it's it is, both, it's, I mean, we, we've kind of taken the attitude that he'll eat what he, when he wants to eat, and that he's you know he that that Darwin will will cause him to get the nutrition he needs, and we're mostly he, he concerned won't starve. with him acquiring the taste more so than getting fuel inside of his body. Got it. So another way to frame the unsolved problem is difficulty. Um, difficulty taking time eating dinner before going back to play. Because you kind of got to decide what it is exactly you want to be working on here. But I'm still curious because I, I have this sneaking suspicion, just a feeling I've got, that we may not have actually gotten your son's concerns on the table about that unsolved problem. Do we and you know might be right. There might be something his concern or perspective? But... Because here's the deal. It sounds like what happened is, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if you all started with the empathy step. You may have started with your concerns, and then he simply agreed to do it possibly to get the conversation over with, but highly unlikely that what he said to you was, I'm just being obstinate, I'll do what you well, want. Well, he, he doesn't even know what the word obstinate means, so he definitely didn't say, I'm just being obstinate. But I feel like, I feel like we, we did, you know, at least we, we said, you know, you know, we think that we got to the bottom of, the, of his concern because we, we, and, you know, we, we, we either, and I, again, I'm recalling a conversation, we either – heard from him that he wanted to go play and didn't want to be at the table anymore, or we fed him that and he, and he acknowledged that that was the case. But we ended up under both of us kind of parroting back the understanding that we felt like he wanted, didn't want to be at the table anymore and he wanted to go play. That was his concern was that he did not want to be eating anymore and that he wanted to go play. Okay. And so <laughs> once we That's got him to kind of say that and we repeated it back to him again, I felt like we did that stuff pretty well. And then, we said our concern is that we would like you to have a bite of everything that's on your plate. And that he would not, he was being very, again, he was like fighting with us about just telling us what we were saying. Like one of the things he'll do is he'll just like grunt back at you when he, when he doesn't want to say something that he, either it's because of you, something you want him to say or he doesn't want to say, he'll grunt back at you or just not respond. But then if, if we, again, we were very patient and, there was no escalation at all from us. Eventually he said, you want me to eat one of everything that's on the plate. And then immediately after he did that, he just did it. Got it. Immediately after so he this, said that, he just did it. This does sound like it occurred in the heat of the moment as well. It occurred. It was, I mean, we, we've, had, we've had some heated food moments. This was not, I mean, again, I, I, my wife might disagree with me, but I felt like this was, we were very calm and very relaxed. And yep. No, what, I'm, what I mean by heat of the moment is that it wasn't proactive. It was occurring during Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. Dinner. You're right. You're totally right about that. Not, not proactive by any stretch of the imagination. So here's, here's my only concern, and then we probably got to stop because we've got somebody else who's been patient I hanging on here. But, um, I understand. Here's my concern. He um, ate everything on the plate so he could go back and play. Yes? Mm-hmm. He, ate, he mm-hmm. ate one bite of everything on the plate so he could go back and play. Mm-hmm. If... Um, if that stands the test of time, then he'll come to dinner, 
eat one bite of everything on the plate, probably do it quickly, and go back and play. If, if you guys are good with that solution, and it reduces the likelihood of challenging episodes, then we may be good to go. Right. But if that doesn't get the job done, if there's more to it than that, if there's foods he really detests and can't manage to get it down his throat, even one bite, then that solution isn't going to stand the test of time, and you guys will have to go back to plan B and um, figure out, find out that what else is going on besides that he just wants to go back and play. If all right. there is to his concerns, and the reason that I'm skeptical here is because he was saying this as he wanted to go back and play. If, all, if the only thing he's concerned about is that he wants to go back and play, you're good to go. You, it sounds like you solved the problem. He'll come to the dinner table, eat one bite of everything, and he'll be gone in a flash. If that's not all there is to it, y'all got some more figuring out to do. You'll have to go back to plan B. Okay. Keep us posted. I'm, I'm glad you called back again. Okay, I will. We'll, we'll give it. We'll, we'll. And again, we're we're kind of working through our our own like getting yeah. this mindset ourselves. And I think we'll we'll take some time and see if we can't kind of you know get better at it ourselves and get them better at it. You're getting there. Are. You're getting there. It's a it's an acquired taste. <laughs> All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. All right. Let's uh, quickly go to area code nine seven two and our second caller. How are you today? Thanks for holding on there. Thank you. How are you today? What's on your mind? Well, my husband and I are pretty new to collaborative problem solving. We read your book. It's wonderful. We really believe in it. And we have a question about transitioning. We're wondering, sometimes for our eight-and-a-half-year-old son, sometimes it's hard to get him to do his homework um, or to get ready for bed or that there are lots of delays between each step in getting to bed, flossing, brushing, showering, all that. And we're wondering how much is there an underlying lagging skill versus, and maybe the underlying lagging skill is transitioning versus kids just wanting to, to play more, especially after school when it's been a stressful day and they just need to unwind. Well, I think that I would love to hear about that from the child so we can find out what's really going on. Um, we all want to do what we want to do, so kids aren't different from us in that way. Yes. But I, the, the good news is there's no um, need for mind reading on your part, no great yes. need for ingenuity in terms of figuring out what he's really thinking. We can find out what he's really thinking when we do the empathy step of plan B. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like well, you have – I go ahead. Well, we did try um, the empathy step and ask um, – you know, we, we noticed that sometimes it's hard to transition to go upstairs and start to get ready for bed and to do each of the steps. That you sometimes like to take breaks between each of the steps and the whole process can take two hours. Um, and, and what's going on with that? And he said, well, he did say that sometimes he has nightmares and so he's afraid to go to bed. And that was really interesting to us because in the past, he was eight and a half now, in the past, whenever he's had nightmares, he's always called for us. And honestly, he hasn't called for us in the past 
gosh, maybe nine months about a nightmare. And he did go into quite quite a, a detail about his nightmares. And so I don't want to say we don't believe him, but I'm wondering if maybe he's he's very, very smart, if he's thinking that this is a good excuse. Well, we're going to take him at his word. Okay. There's no, there's no downside to taking him at his word. Um, good drilling should help us understand whether the nightmares are from the past or whether they're still going on. I think that the downside to disbelieving him is significantly greater than the downside to believing him. There's actually no downside to believing him. If you're drilling well and letting him know that you believe him, you'll, you'll figure out what's going on. Um, and so it's not horrible to be skeptical about what a kid is saying, but we don't want the skepticism to turn into not believing him. We want the skepticism and uh, that's even a strong word, we want, this doesn't quite add up for me. That's probably the best way I would say it. We, we want to clarify that stuff, and the way we're going to do that is just with good drilling and probing and clarifying. Um, okay. And so okay. here's the amazing thing. I never really worry about whether a kid is lying because I know that we're going to clarify what's really going on just with good drilling. So... The most I would say is that it sometimes doesn't add up, but that shouldn't lead us to say he's lying or I don't believe him or he's not telling us the truth. Um, there's, you know, lots of people say lots of things that isn't quite hitting their concern or perspective nail on the head because they're sort of sorting it through themselves. Right. Um, they benefit enormously from us trying to clarify mm-hmm. things and from us you know, asking more questions. And that's a whole lot better than what happens when we express skepticism about what it is that they're saying. Skepticism actually, I find, causes people to become defensive, kids included, causes them to stop talking. We don't want that to happen. And the good news is it doesn't have to happen anyways because good drilling will clarify things anyways. Yes, yes. Well, we... We did not express any skepticism towards him at all. In fact, we created a couple of charts to help him whenever he has a nightmare to write down, you know, we'll write down when it happened and to write about what it was. Um, And then also a separate chart because he'd expressed some stress at school just because now in third grade the demands are so much greater to to express um, the level of stress that he's experiencing, and then maybe there's a connection between the stress and the nightmares. Could be. Um, I like that you're Mm -hmm. sort of continuing to probe, even outside the context of Plan B. But I want to go back to your original question right at the beginning, and that is... Okay. um, And I don't know if it applies to the nightmares, um, but aren't there times when kids just want to have some downtime. Um, here's an interesting case in point of, first of all, probably on the nightmares, downtime is not what he's looking for. The nice thing is... Well, except, go ahead. Except that 
you know, when he's taking an hour and a half or two hours to get ready, he, he gets a lot of downtime in that he's delaying each step by playing. Say that one more time. I didn't quite understand. I'm sorry. When he's uh, taking a long time at nighttime to get ready for bed, he's getting a lot of downtime because he'll say, oh, I just need to do this or I need to do that or I need, I need five minutes here, I need five minutes there to just, um, you know, play or you know, do some cartwheels or whatever it is that he feels he needs to do at that moment. And we, we've been doing probably way too much plan C. We, we try, we're really, really trying not to do plan A. And so whenever he says, oh, I just need five minutes to unwind or five minutes to do this or that, we, we really try to say yes, but then, but then the night just stretches out so late. Yes, totally understood. So this is not one that you want to handle with plan C perpetually. No. <laughs> but so it sounds like the unsolved problem is difficulty getting ready for bed at night. Yes. Would you agree? Yes, and, I do. Good. And your concern or perspective is that he seems to be getting a lot of downtime in the two hours that it's taking him to get ready for bed, right? Yeah. But I'm actually still on, and I'm sure you have other concerns just about how long it's taking and that it's, you know, however him taking so long is affecting him and however it's affecting you, would end up being your concern or perspective on that unsolved problem. But then I'm still stuck in the empathy step, believe it or not. He said that um, he has nightmares. So you admirably took some nice steps to try to get a better handle on that issue. But my bet is that that's not the only issue. And in fact, this this is a good example of that doesn't quite add up. Um, not, not skepticism, but just I don't think we understand everything that's going on with it taking him two hours to get ready for bed yet. So you got nightmares. That's one thing. But after you heard about nightmares, and you might have done this already, you'd certainly want to say, if you didn't, anything else that's making it hard you to get ready for bed at night. So far, we've heard about one thing, nightmares. Um, if I'm you, I'm thinking, I don't think this is only about nightmares. Now, you were thinking about it for a different reason. You were thinking, we haven't heard about nightmares for a while. I don't think that's it. What I'm sitting here thinking is, whether you've heard about nightmares for a while or not, I don't think nightmares is the only reason it's taken him two hours to get ready for bed. In which case, right. we would simply say, any other reasons? that you're finding it hard to get ready for bed on a timely basis. Um, And now we're listening for more. So we're not leaving the empathy step until we feel like we've got the clearest possible sense of what's getting in his way, and we want to know it comprehensively. we got nightmares. I bet we got some other stuff that we'll want to hear about. You don't want to leave the empathy step just because you've heard one thing. You want to keep asking if there's anything else until there's nothing else. That, that's a good point. That makes sense? Yes, yes, it definitely does. 
And then what that lets you do is, and sometimes this is useful, sometimes it's not, but what it lets you do is, after you've heard about the various different things that are making it hard for him to get ready for bed at night, you can say to him, so let, let me, I just want to make sure I got my bearings here. Um, help me understand which of these is getting in the way the most. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think of the different things you've told me that are making it hard for you to get ready for bed at night. And I'd like you to rank them for me on a scale of one, which is kind of, but not that much, to five, which is this is really making it hard for me. So let's say um, what you got on the table was nightmares is making it hard for him to get ready for bed at night. I would sometimes say to the child, um, tell me what number that is. One, it's not that big of a deal, but it's there. Five, it's a really big deal, and everything in between. How big is nightmares? Let's see, he says two. Let's say other concerns that you find out about that are getting in his way are higher. That might help you decide which ones you want to try to go after first, but it's also a nice way of trying to get a sense for which of these seems to be getting in the way the most and which of them. And now here's the nice thing. Your child has now had a chance to think about this. You've been in the empathy step for a while you're hearing about the different things that are getting in his way. Um, he's thinking it through. He's weighing how big is this one compared to these other ones. Actually kind of a nice thing to be doing in the empathy step, so you can get a sense for how big are each of these and what should we be trying to work on first. Okay. That makes sense? Yes. But I think the main thing for you is don't stop with the empathy step just because you've heard one concern, keep going. There's probably more. That's a, that's a good point. And I guess the transition from playtime to homework, same thing, not just different, different unsolved problems. Yeah. That's right. Not just one thing. Um, as I always say, the first thing you hear about in the empathy step is unlikely to give you the clearest possible sense of your child's concern and perspective on the unsolved problem you're talking with him about right now. First thing you want to do is clarify the first thing you heard about. Next thing you want to do, once that one's clarified, is ask for more. Don't move on to define the problem step. Ask for more. There's almost always more. Good point. I mean, on, on occasion, there's nothing more. Like um, occasionally on teeth brushing, I've noticed that you're having difficulty brushing your teeth at night. What's up? The toothpaste tastes terrible. All right, so the toothpaste tastes terrible. Any other reasons you're having trouble brushing your teeth at night? No, the toothpaste tastes terrible. Well, think about <laughs> it. Uh, I got that the toothpaste tastes terrible, and I'm, I'm going to want to hear more about that. Other things that are hard about brushing teeth? No, just that the toothpaste tastes terrible. All right, so in that instance, the first thing you heard about did was it, right? And I would just want to clarify okay. that a little bit further. Tell me what about the toothpaste tastes terrible. Well, you're the one who thought that we should get that, you know, toothpaste that tastes like chalk, but I can't stand the toothpaste that tastes like chalk. It feels terrible in my mouth, and I, I like the toothpaste we used to use. All right, I'm clear. Uh, you sure there's nothing else besides the taste of the toothpaste? No. 
I just can't stand the taste of the toothpaste you're making us use. All right, I've got it. There's the end of the empathy step. So that was pretty quick. Most empathy steps aren't that quick, and most of the time there is more than one concern about what's getting in the kid's way. Okay. There you have it. That sounds great. Thank you so much. Keep going with empathy step and call back and let us know what happens. Okay. Thank you so much. You bet. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. We might, we probably don't, but we might have time for one. All right. This is this is actually one that I wanted to answer urgently. So we have four minutes left in the program. I think I can do it. Dr. Green, I listen to your radio program, and I believe I understand plans A, B, and C, but when life feels like one crisis after another and a conversation about plan B feels like an attack, simply talking about feelings and behavior elicits an angry response, how do I begin? I'm hanging on by a thread today. My six-year-old had such a fit on the way to school that she is now back at home. Since I had no way to get her out of the car and I didn't think physically removing her from the car and leaving her on the side of the road was appropriate, I agree with you there. Ideas for starting from scratch with an angry child? Let's see if I can answer this one real quick. Sounds like, uh, well, I wouldn't approach it any differently than I would for someone who didn't feel like they were hanging by a thread. But here's a few crucial points. You, you badly need, if you haven't done it already, to get on the Lives in the Balance website and go to the resources section and go to the paperwork section of the resources section and print out a copy of the Assessment of Lagging Skills and Unsolved Problems so we can make sure you know what your daughter's lagging skills are and so that we can make sure you know what specific unsolved problems are causing difficulty for your child. It sounds to me like there is some unsolved problem related to something that goes on in the car on the way to school. I don't know what it is, but something. Um, We need a list of unsolved problems badly, and um, that will help you not move from one crisis to another because moving from one crisis to another is usually what happens when we don't have a list of unsolved problems, when we haven't prioritized which ones we're going to work on first, and which ones we're going to set aside for now, that's plan C. The ones we're working on, that's plan B. The ones we're not working on, that's plan C. But we don't want to do this in the heat of the moment. If we do it in the heat of the moment, we're going to feel like we are jumping from one crisis to another. So it is possible that you understand the ABC concept, but um, if you don't have your list of unsolved problems yet, then you're still going at the whole thing emergently and reactively, and you don't want to be doing that. We've got to get this organized. We need a list of unsolved problems. We've got to decide which ones we're setting aside for now and which ones we're working on for now. The ones we're working on for now are Plan B. The ones we're setting aside are Plan C. Here's the only other quick thing I'll say. And you're, of course, welcome to call into the program if you want. Um, we just got this from you today and wanted to make sure we answered it today. Um, plan B does not involve talking about feelings and behavior. That's the good news. Talking with a kid about behavior often elicits an angry response. And some kids, talking about feelings is just not what is right up their alley. But here's what I do find. If we're doing this 
proactively, and we're talking about the child's concern or specific unsolved problem, not behavior, not feelings necessarily. I'm not allergic to talking to kids about their feelings. It's just that I don't usually get the information I'm looking for when I talk to them about their feelings. I'd much rather hear about what they're thinking, what's getting in the way, what's concerning them. Those are the things we want to hear about. But we've got to get it organized first so we can make this proactive, and then we want to ask about what's getting in the way. I'm glad we were able to fit that into today's program, and I'm glad you wrote in. You can call in any time you want. Parents panel next week. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks for your phone calls. Thanks for your emails. Back again next week with the parents panel. Take care.